Hi there, I'm Fiona from Fiona with IELTS and in this podcast I'm also making a video version. So if you go to YouTube you can watch it and see what I'm talking about on the screen. So if you go to the website you can see in the menu there's something called what's new and if you go there you can find all of the tips. This week I had somebody asking me what's the difference between the daily tips that you post and I really try to do something new daily and the private blog that you get in the Members Academy. So this is the private blog and what happens is that every week we have a a writing class and lots of grammar areas come out of that class really specifically to IELTS maybe task one or task two and every time that happens I write a blog as a kind of follow-up. So they are in a lot more detail and they're using the real examples that we we have every week. So this week, for example, we had the problem with twice as many or twice as much and language related to the majority and the minority. So you can see they just go into a a bit more detail, whereas the ones on my website are, are just little tips that really quick and easy for you to learn. Then when you click on that, you you can open it up and make it bigger if you want to, which is what I'm doing on screen now. And I'm starting with January the 19th. I always share Mark Hancock's pronunciation tips. He creates great, lovely activities. And if you're a teacher, these are really useful for you too. So they're just kind of games you can play focusing on areas of pronunciation. I chose this one specifically because I talk so much about contractions in speaking and in general training part one. Contractions are so important because they're just natural and they make your speech more natural when you use them. So I'm constantly telling my speaking students when they start, I would like to tell you, you know, the part two section, I I try to encourage them to say, I'd like to tell you so much more natural from that starting point. And this is a really nice uh, maze all about when do you use the contraction apostrophe S. So, for example, there are some Uh, areas where you can't use it. So the bus is late. You can't say the bus is late, Um, but you can say the train's late, for example. So anything that ends in the s or sh or j, those sounds, is impossible to add an apostrophe. But you can say the doors, the doors open, the train's late, the food's ready, the cup's full. And, and you should be using them. And there's a, a kind of game here where you have to decide if it's possible to put the apostrophe S. So it starts with the bus is late and it gives you two words, bus is late. You can't put the apostrophe S and you have to move through the maze only if you can contract. So, for example, the train is late, you can, so you move. You can't say the class is late or the fridge is open, but you can say the doors open. 
and so on. The food's ready, but you can't say the fish is ready or the quiz is easy. It's really good. It's just really well thought out. I, I absolutely love it. So go and have a look at January the 19th there. Oh, and by the way, I've just added a new um, sign up form on my website. So you can get all of these weekly roundups now in your inbox if you're on my email list. January 20th, I, I often try to provide indicators of whether you're ready to take IELTS. This, honestly, I know it looks mean, but it's honestly trying to help you because why would you waste $200 if you're not ready to take that test? I know when people are not ready to take the test and I get lots of letters and I can immediately say, look, you're not ready, practice a bit more. And sometimes it sometimes just comes in the way they say my first name, the, the opening and the closing. Two things which are really important for general training, especially the way you start and close a letter can be the difference between a, a five and a seven, or at least a six and a seven. Honestly, so really check the best way. If you're not sure, ask. Please don't hesitate to ask. So I get a lot and often they say, hey, which complete, I just don't, I just delete it. Hey is so rude. I personally don't like if people say mom or, or mom. That's only for the queen. You, you simply don't call people mom. And I know love, my lovely Indian students have told me they feel uncomfortable not saying mom. It's, it's cultural, but honestly, it's not a big deal for the listener. Just just first name is, is fine. Don't call anybody dear. <laughs> dear is quite patronising if you just say yes dear. It's okay to say dear Fiona, that's how you should, the first line, but not can you help me dear unless it suggests that I'm like 80 years old and, and never, never, this is the one I shared, somebody said if you want to help me reply and then thank you honey. Now I'm guessing honey was trying to be nice but honey or sweetie to a woman is really patronizing. So January 22nd I've got my red flag claptrap advice. Claptrap stands for absurd or nonsensical talk or ideas. Sorry, that's the meaning. For me, it stands for crap language advice posts. And these are the kind of posts you see on social media talking absolute crap, rubbish. And you must be aware of these. Um, again, if you're not sure, send them to me and I'll, I'll happily filter them for you. That That's kind of my job. So this one was a diagram, task one, academic. And I look at models a lot online because I'm, I'm constantly searching for new examples for my weekly Friday feedback. I often come across models, so-called models. And this one said the given diagrams elucidate stages. And that honestly makes my hair stand on end when I see elucidate. It's one of those ridiculous 
ridiculous words and it's wrong. It, it doesn't mean it shows. Elucidate has a completely different meaning. And, and actually, Pauline Cullen, who I admire and respect a lot, says you actually don't need anything more than shows. Maybe gives information about. That's about it. Don't try any of these rubbish words like elucidates. Oh, I found another one the other day. I've forgotten it now. But anyway, follow me on Pinterest and I'll I'll keep posting them. They are really bad advice and don't don't use them. January 23rd, somebody asked me, can I use having said that to show my opinion in task two? Okay, this was one of the members academy in our WhatsApp group. And my response is simply this. Having said that is an excellent way to introduce a different opinion. I think it's perfectly acceptable to use in task two and arguably it's it's less common and therefore better than on the other hand. Then somebody else said, hi Fiona, quick question. When we use having said that, should we write our opinion after it? Um, and there's an example there from a real review where the first paragraph is negative. It's a, a, a film review and it says lots of negative things. And then it says, having said that, there are some positive aspects to it. So yes, it introduces another point of view and signals this to the reader. I really like it in task two. It is less formal but less common and on the other hand, sometimes is a little mechanical, isn't it? Um, everybody uses it in task two and it's okay, but it's nice to have something different. Um, when I went on Youglish to check it, so remember everything in the academy is researched and fact checked and evidence based. I won't give you any advice that I haven't checked thoroughly. So I went to Youglish, another brilliant site, and I found that whenever somebody said, having said that, that the contexts were very formal, like TED Talks, lectures and presentations, and, and really listen to them because it, it's nice practice with intonation. Having said that, you could use it in your, your speaking part three when you want to show awareness of the other uh, points of view. January 24th was interesting. The difference between treble and triple. I always recommend that people read news reports to become more familiar with how they describe data and statistics. We often share them in the WhatsApp group. So people find them and say, you, you know, here they've used double or triple or treble. And I was reading an article in the newspaper about the number of people who crossed the English Channel in boats last year. And it says it was treble, treble, T-R-E-B-L-E, -E, that of 2020. So somebody asked, well, what's the difference between treble and triple? Because I usually recommend triple. And what I found is that treble is hardly ever used in the US. That's all really. It's fine. I prefer triple, probably just because I'm from the UK. Um, but another, it, it brought up another point 
And that point is, when do we use that of? And this is really useful as a reference word. The number of people, look at the example, who crossed last year was treble the number of people who crossed in 2020. Now, you don't want to repeat the number of people who crossed. So you replace it with that of. And there's a few examples there. Um, uh, the Members Academy Bootcamp, we've been practicing all of these structures three times as many, sorry. So yeah, other ways of saying that is the three times as many people or there were three times as many crossings or the number of people who crossed has tripled or there has been a threefold increase in the number of people crossing. So yeah, this came up in the boot camp, all of the variety, different ways of saying triple. And um, by the way, you can access the materials in the boot camp anytime. It's now called my task one course. And that's where you get the private blog included. Um, but what these four examples show here is, is flexibility. And that's what you need for the band seven plus. So you might be able to use one of these well. Can you use all four of them well? And, and that's a sign of a strong band seven. On January 25th, oh, a common countable uncountable question. Is it feedback? Can you give me some feedback or can you give me some feedbacks? Or can you give me a feedback? So feedback is uncountable and there's no plural version. So the second one, sorry, the first one, no S is correct. Can you give me some feedback? So January 28th is collocations for effect because you often have to talk about the impact of a policy or a development or an issue. And I've got a whole video on how to discuss the impact of something. And very often there are powerful collocations. So here I've listed some of them talking about the impact and it might be about size. So a considerable impact, uh, substantial or small, negligible. Could be about positive, negative. So a favorable impact or a adverse, devastating, disastrous. All of those are good. Could be related to time immediate effect or possible effect, likely, long-term. And then it could be related to the type of impact it has. So it could be environmental effect or mental, emotional effects. So if you click on the link there on January 28th, it will take you to the extra practice. In January, I created uh, an option if you didn't want to get all of the live lessons and all of the feedback and the writing feedback and tips and the community that's included in the Members Academy, I introduced an option where you just get the courses alone. So it's cheaper. So you're not paying for coaching and teachers time and stuff like that. So um, a student said, can you reduce the cost of the Members Academy to $99 for me, please? I replied, I can't do that, but you can buy the courses only option. 
And the student said, oh, well, I suppose I'll have to make do with that. Make do with something is to use something that is of an inferior or worse quality than what you would like to have. So this student was considering the, the course option as inferior, not as good as the full option. Well, I see your point. Obviously, the full option is better because you're getting individual personalised feedback. But I was a little offended by this and I am easily offended that the course only option was inferior to the full Members Academy because the course only option is actually a fantastic option and it's extremely good value because you've got about 10 courses which are normally about $50 each and you're getting them for about a third of that. So I don't see why the courses only option is a negative one. In fact, I think it's a superior one for some people because for some people, they prefer to work through the materials first and then get coaching later once they've absorbed it and assimilated all of the knowledge. But I did like that expression, I suppose I'll have to make do with it. Um, it's really nice. And there's a few examples there if you, if you click on the link and you can find out how you can use it. Um, January 30th, we did a process in the Members Academy and it was all about how apple juice is produced. So if you look at this one, it looks good. But if you look a bit more closely, there are 157 words and 45 of them, the words I've underlined, are taken almost exactly from the image or the task. And that's why it looks so good, because there's no mistakes. Because basically, the, the image shows, let's see, stage one, harvesting and selecting the best apples. And then you get that in the text, harvesting selection of the best apples and, and so on. There's a lot of language in this te text. It's got a receiving belt, washing and sorting. But the, the model answer, which looks great, unfortunately, is just copied. I mean, half of it no, sorry, a third is taken exactly from the image. So you've got to avoid doing this and build strategies to help you. So instead of taking the label where it says harvesting, you turn that maybe into a verb. So you'd say the apples are harvested. Instead of selecting, you say they are selected and so on. And that's using the passive tense. So it's not difficult, but you've got to be aware of the effect of lifting words from the response. It makes you, from the question, sorry, it actually makes you um, under length because so many of those words are, are not yours. Finally, I think I'll stop on this one. Oh, this was just a bit of fun. So January the 31st, you know, sometimes when you're speaking fast, you get your words mixed up and there's a special name for it. It's called a spoonerism. So instead of saying, for example, you take a shower, you'd say shake a tower. You mix the first letters of those collocations. Now, that in itself is quite funny. So instead of uh, a block of flats, you might say a flock of bats or 
um, blow your nose, you might say know your blows. And it's just a kind of funny thing. But what's interesting about it is that it comes with collocations. And as we know, collocations are so important. So this example, the title is A Blushing Crow. And it should be a crushing blow, which means a huge disappointment. And it's like these collocations are stuck so much in our head that they're quite difficult to separate them. So I've I've been doing a lot more work on collocations recently and I'm I'm posting a lot more and in fact there was one last week. So do go and check that one out. Oh that's right. I did it because there was actually a politician who used a spoonerism in parliament and it was on the news. But you can get my IELTS collocation lists there if you click on that link and it's from January the 31st. All right. Thanks for listening. The next podcast, I'll continue. I'll go through the next bunch of tips with you. If you've got any ideas or questions, please don't hesitate to ask. You can find me on ieltsetc.com. You can post a message there or anywhere on my social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of those, or email me if you want. Go to my contact page on the website. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye.